Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Today is Tuesday, November 1st, 2022. We are one week away from the midterm election day and maybe eight or nine days away from figuring out just how big a red wave we will see. Um, Obviously, some of these races will take long to count out. Looking at you, New York State. But uh, for the most part, I think we'll know by, by the end of the night just what the scope of any red wave might be, assuming that a red wave arrives. And I think Joy Reid aside, <laughs> which I might write about today, um, I think we can be pretty sure that we're looking at a red wave. My guess is we might be looking at a black swan event, meaning uh, sort of a once in a lifetime uh, shift in, a, um, in an electorate uh, that may not last, frankly, but um, but certainly would be a reaction to what's been going on economically, politically, culturally over the last two years. Uh, voters seem to be extremely unhappy with the status quo. There's a really interesting Wall Street Journal uh, poll. I, I have a post coming up about this this afternoon. I might just embed this um, podcast into that post, in fact. But um, they're showing an R plus two, but that's only on registered voters. They don't really apply a likely voter model on this. But when you look at the um, when you look at the internals on this, the right direction, wrong direction in the economy is 1971, right? 19 slash 71, not the year 1971, although it kind of seems that way. When you look at this, 19% think we're going the right direction economically, 71% say no. Um, that's down from, um, I think it was 3063 or something like that, or 3062 in um, August. So I think that that shows you that, and that was a bump up, by the way. In, in the Wall Street Journal poll uh, from, I think, the low 20s, who, who thought we were going the right direction economically. That was probably largely a reaction to Congress passing the Inflation Reduction Act, which Democrats sold as, you know, inflation reduction, which it wasn't. It wasn't designed to be. It was a progressive hobby horse agenda bill with a misleading label on it. And in fact, the CBO determined that it wasn't going to have any overall inflation impact. And in fact, it would be slightly inflationary in the first year. And of course, we've had two successive uh, rounds of inflation reports since that bill passed and inflation isn't coming down. Um, so this is the politics of disillusionment. I talk a little bit about that in the post. Um, you know, looking at some of the other stuff, uh, Cook report today is moving 10 more House districts in the uh, GOP's direction. These are all very blue house districts that look like now they're up for grabs. So when you've got that going on in a cycle, it kind of tells you that, you know, hey, look, <laughs> this is, uh, you know, again, joy read aside, this is not a, uh, th- these aren't suppression polls. This is an actual movement of voters. And it's, I mean, not a big shock to have a governing party lose a midterm election. It happened twice during the Obama administration, it happened once during the, the Trump administration. It happens pretty much in every administration. Uh, the difference will be what the scope of it is and whether or not it rolls into the Senate. And in the Senate, of course, candidate quality matters to some extent. A New York Times story yesterday uh, sort of stressed that based on Siena polling, their, their their partnership with Siena polling. But I think that those polls are outliers and <laughs> I'm not outrageously outliers. They're on they're, they're plausible, but they're they're on the. Uh, outer marker edge of Democrat results in each of those races. And I suspect that those races are, I suspect that 
their their core result, which was that re- voters, uh, more voters want to see a Republican Senate than a Democrat Senate. I think that they're actually going to be making that a reality. That's a that's a that's a self fulfilling prophecy. I think uh, when it comes to uh, voting in the midterm elections. But I don't know. We'll see. You know, that's one of the reasons why we uh, have elections is so that we can actually make sure that we know who won. Um, On top of this, of course, now we have um, a a fascinating and absolutely revolting expose from The Intercept, Li Fang, Li Fang or Li Fang, I'm not sure how he pronounces his name. Um, And I apologize for one of those is mispronounced. At least one of those was mispronounced, so I apologize for it. And Ken Klippenstein. combined up on a report that shows that the uh, disinformation governance board that was supposedly torpedoed in the spring, well, it still lives. It just isn't called the disinformation government board anymore. DHS is still, and the FBI are still uh, pressuring and incentivizing big tech platforms to um, to shape public opinion and to uh, stifle dissent. And I mean, you have to read this report to understand just how significant this is. They're talking about um, using uh, speech curbs on issues like racial justice and the withdrawal from Afghanistan, which is over a year old now. And I mean, we're not at war anymore in Afghanistan. We've pulled out entirely. Even if there was a wartime censorship um, uh plan in place, which would still be unconstitutional, by the way. It's always been unconstitutional when those when those have been imposed. Um, there's no war. There's no there's no predicate for it. <laughs> so why is the government involved in free speech and public debate and dissent? And that's the that's the question that uh, that Lee and Ken, <laughs> to be safe, uh, Lee and Ken are raising at the intercept. It's, the intercept is a left wing publication. Remind, uh, I'll remind you. Uh, They do good work. I mean, they do their own work. They do original work and you can judge them on their work. They actually have the briefing document from the Department of Homeland Security that outlines this program, including, as I discovered today after reading uh, Lee's um, uh, uh, Twitter feed, how to disguise this by going through third parties so it doesn't look like government propaganda. That's an actual strategy in this document. And, uh, and the Intercept documents this. Now, when you have government combining up with industry to suppress speech, that is a literal definition. That's literal definitional fascism. And you'd think with all the hyperventilating about fascism on the right that, oh, I don't know, the, the, the guardians of the First Amendment in our, you know, the fourth estate in our country might be interested in that story. Well, you'd be wrong, as I explain in a lengthy post today. Uh, This story was picked up by no one, except for Fox News. Lee went on Fox News last night and journalists attacked him for going on Fox News and called him a fascist for going on with Tucker Carlson. And the problem is, is that nobody else wanted to talk to Lee <laughs> or Ken, apparently, on this because nobody else covered it. There isn't a single mention of this in the New York Times. There isn't a single mention of this in the Washington Post, except a link in an unrelated story that that is that uses the subhead rather than the headline from The Intercept, um, which is leaked information uh, shows DHS uh, plan to police disinformation online. 
which is about as anodyne as you can describe this story. That is, however, the Intercept's subhead on this. But if you read the entire story, it's much more it's much more disturbing. It's it's much more problematic, and I think it should be one of the biggest stories of the day. Um, and yet, CNN isn't covering it. No major outlet is covering this. Fox, except for Fox, and except of course for us, you know, and and other independent uh, media outlets. And that's the reason why. <laughs> Just to give you the pitch, you know it's coming. <laughs> you know the pitch is coming. I'm not wearing a suit today, by the way. I'm doing this. I'm doing this on my own. That's the reason why we have the VIP and VIP Gold Membership Club, because it helps us keep. Um, it helps us keep uh, operations going in case we start seeing a squeeze from big tech platforms against our against our uh, product, against our outlets. Uh, it's the reason why we do this in case advertisers get uh, uh, pressured and bullied into uh, into withdrawing their support for us. We need that, uh, frankly, to keep going. And that's the reason why we are really pressing hard in this midterm cycle to make sure that we're ready for the for the 2024 election, which, by the way, gets specific mention in this DHS briefing um, uh, document as a particular area, as a particular time of interest for Joe Biden's speech police to be working with uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, all sorts of other things. It's very, very disturbing. Even more disturbing is the fact that the fourth estate is completely taking a whiff on this. Why? Because they actually want the government to control speech and they want uh, their consumers to shut up and listen and stop uh, and stop uh, discussing and dissenting from a democratic administration. It's absolutely disgusting. So as you can tell, we're kind of passionate about this. Andrew and I actually discussed this in today's podcast. Andrew Malcolm, of course, the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com. We discussed this. We discussed the midterm cycle. Lots of other stuff coming up at hot air, by the way. But that kind of sets us up for today's podcast. So you'll hear Andrew Malcolm coming up next. And then, of course... <laughs> One more pitch for our VIP and VIP member, uh, VIP gold memberships. And uh, certainly hope that you are going to join us over the next couple of years to make sure that we can still get the word out and still have these discussions, debates, and dissent to the, um, to the current swamp establishment, including the current swamp media. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Now here's Andrew Malcolm. Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. As it was on Tuesdays, we talk with the Prince of Twitter and the Regent of RedState.com, Andrew Malcolm at AH Malcolm on the Twitters. Um, <laughs> and he's still the Prince of Twitter, even in the new Elon Musk era, which uh, has started yeah. several bangs, right? Yeah, it's uh it's an amazing what a what a fun um spectacle to watch i have to say well okay so there's a couple things i want to talk about one is this i don't know if you've seen it yet actually i didn't get a chance to ask you about this this report from the intercept that shows that um dhs department of homeland security and the fbi were uh had created a portal to uh censor information on facebook to prompt facebook to censor information that was going through it they were also uh apparently secretly working with twitter i want to get to that in a second but we got <laughs> but we got to talk about the elon musk thing because yeah that's fun 
Yeah. I mean, he's, he's now saying that he's got evidence that the board defrauded him um, on, you know, on the transaction that, uh, you know, apparently one of their top executives is working with him and he's got access to the information. I wrote this post this morning about this more or less as a throwaway, right? Just sort of fun thing to, to do. Um, Cause I know people are interested in it. This thing is still getting monster traffic and it's hours later. It's still getting monster traffic on there because people, I, I mean, I don't know that you can overestimate the attention that especially conservative readers are, are, are focusing on Twitter right now because they see it as sort of like the last opportunity to get a fair shake on social media platforms. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, uh, Musk is, is an eclectic character enough that you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, if, if most people came, you know, Warren Buffett or whatever, if they ever, if they bought something like that, you kind of know in a sense what they're going to do, but Musk, you don't know. And he's kind of a maverick and I just love it. We've had, He's, I know he's a South American born, but we've had mavericks like that who come along with an innovative idea that, that uh, a lot of people probably poo-poo and then boom, they just take it on and do it. I mean, Henry Ford uh, inventing the assembly line. Uh, you know, John, you know, when they, when they discovered oil in Pennsylvania, there was no use for it. So it was John D. Rockefeller who figured out, well, here's how we could use this stuff. Uh, and maybe there's more of it. Um, Alvis Sears, you know, there, I won't go into the link, but there's a wonderful story about Alvis Sears, who was a railroad station agent and um, ended up uh, selling watches on trains and said, well, why can't I do this by mail? And that was the Sears Roebuck start. Um, and uh, there's just been, and well, Lee Iacocca, there's a whole bunch of people, Ross Perot, a whole bunch of people who have come along and they get rich, which is fine. Um, but they come along and it's fascinating to watch. I can't wait to, every day. I was part of your traffic, your monster traffic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, good. I, I'm glad to hear that, actually. Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I... I it's just I can't you can't get enough of of him. You don't know what he's going to do. It's unpredictable. Uh, he has a sense of um, being a good guy from the conservative side. Um, and uh, but he's not in anybody's pocket. And boy, I just uh, I just I'm just fascinated. So I, I'm fascinating. But, you know, I'm skeptical that things are going to change. Um first off overnight even musk is saying they're not going to change overnight no not we're overnight going we're going to take our time in in trying to transition to a a freer speech approach to this I, you know the 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 fact that you you know it's a advertiser reliant platform is itself incent, uh, an incentive to keep you know nuttiness to a dull roar i guess yeah. um so i don't think that you can operate a platform like this without having at least some, you know, uh, you know, some standards by which you're going to do that. I mean, we have that in the comment section. In fact, you know, we switched to, you know, just, you know, just to be fair, I mean, we switched to a members only comment section in large part because comment sections, open comment sections 
turn into a sewer, which you've got to go in and dump ble- bleach in on a on a constant basis. Otherwise, yeah, absolutely. And, and so, you know, and even then, there are rules. Um, there are not many of them, but there are rules, and there is some accountability for that. So I get that. I, I, I know I'm not looking to say I'm not saying you should never have any standards whatsoever, but I think when you this brings us to the story that popped up this afternoon from the intercept when you are joining forces with the government to to regulate uh conversations about a wide range of issues um that is not that is i mean that is fascism that's that is literally and definitionally fascism especially when all of the issues that uh you know lee fung and um i believe he pronounces it it's spelt Fang, but I think he pronounces it Lee Fung and Ken Klippenstein note. I mean, they were talking about regulating the, dis- the public discourse on things like racial justice, right? The withdrawal from Afghanistan, that absolute utter moral disgrace of Joe Biden. Um, you know, COVID-19 vaccines. I mean, we kind of knew that that was already going on because people were getting booted off of platforms for dissent- for expressing dissenting views. And I mean, the, I, as I wrote, the inclusion of criticism of Afghanistan, of discussion of the withdrawal from Afghanistan really gives the game away here because there's no, I mean, there's no reason now to no. moderate or regulate that. We don't have troops in Afghanistan any longer. It's done. It's over with. So why are they going to expand this program into that area, except to ex- except to suppress dissent and criticism from the Biden administration's actions in Afghanistan? Absolutely. Absolutely. You were right. You nailed it with that moral disgrace. That's what it was. That's what it remains. Um, he insists on calling it an extraordinary success. I call it an extraordinary moral outrage uh, that goes on. And uh, Qatar has been uh, evacuating some of the thousands that Biden left behind, but now they've suspended those flights uh, for the duration of the World Cup. So uh, there's a lot of people stuck there. The Taliban is hunting them down. Biden's people left all the biometric notes. Jazz wrote about this. All the files, personnel files of every Afghan who worked for the U.S. government and helped them, maybe the allies, too. Uh, So they can hunt them down, identify them by eye color and everything else. It's just. I don't know how he sleeps at night, except he's not all there. So I guess that explains it. Yeah, I think that explains it. I think there's a lot of things that explain Joe Biden um, and it's not all age. Um, related either. It's just Joe Biden related. Um, The guy's always been a vacuous twit. Um, And, but apparently you can't say that on social media platforms or DHS and FBI are going to get involved, or at least that's here. And here's the most ironic part of this, right? They have a document that outlines this program uh, and, and the intercept got a copy of it and they've got it hosted. And at the top and bottom of at least the first page, I didn't really read past the first page because I, you know, I, I've got, I, I, I skimmed past the first page. I didn't read it carefully, but uh, at least at, uh, on the front and bottom of the, of the cover page of this, it has the word confidential, which means that this is a classified document that they are publishing. So the government's program to, you know, 
the disinformation program that the government is is um, is conducting on big tech platforms uh, to apparently help the public yeah. is shielded from the public. It's literally a classified program that wasn't wasn't meant to be disclosed to the public. Now, nothing says transparency like that, right? Right. You remember uh, uh, Obama appointed Joe Biden the head of transparency in their administration uh, because he wanted it to be the most transparent presidential administration in history. And Joe Biden said, OK, fine. And he scheduled a meeting of all the government information people and he closed it. Yeah. I think there was so that's that's his idea. You know, I've written and it seems to resonate with people that Biden is just casually cruel. You know, I don't think he has a center like that, which would help explain Hunter. Um, but yeah. uh, he, there's, remember with the Stephanopoulos interview uh, during the debacle of the Afghan exit, when the, Stephanopoulos asked him about the. Afghans so desperate to leave that they were clinging to the outside of planes and falling off to their death. Yeah. And Biden's Biden's response was, "That was four days ago. That was four days ago. Yeah, that was well, four days ago. Yeah. So those deaths don't matter. I mean, they're still dead, folks. I I don't. Yeah, this guy casually cruel is a is a great way to to describe this. But I mean, this is to me. I mean. We've had periods of time where the government attempted to censor speech, you know, free speech, political speech, um, and eventually it got tossed out. You know, there was the, um, I forget which one is which, I think it was the Alien and Sedition Act in the Adams administration uh, during the, you know, during the opening days of the Republic, which eventually was shot down and is universally described as a disgrace these days. And then there was the Sedition Act in um in uh 1917 i believe it was in the wilson administration which is where j edgar hoover got his start by the way which was enforcing it for the attorney general at the time i forget the attorney general's name but basically it was a, a, a using the war as an excuse to shut down political debate and dissent right. uh, from you know official government policies to the point where you, you know it was almost a form of lisma jest which was that you couldn't even uh, criticize government officials without without breaking the law, which you know sounds strange to people these days, but that was actually what was going on. Yeah, uh, a century absolutely. ago. Um, and, and now um, we don't even have a war. I mean, there's no war here. They don't even have a war to, to justify this, <laughs> and they're and they're censoring public debate and suppressing dissent. I mean, really, honestly, this if if a Republican was doing this, Andrew, oh, impeach. Yeah, impeach. You'd have newspapers from left coast to right coast screaming for um screaming for investigations for you know retribution and how dare you and you know you might even have a newspaper you know somewhere near the uh, center of power that would put something like democracy dies in darkness at the top of their newspaper i mean i just you know i, I know that sounds ridiculous but yeah uh, that is yeah yeah well you know i worked for the new york times when they did the pentagon papers um, and, um, that's what they used to do. Yeah. The press, the press used to be, you know, they got special constitutional protections. The media did from the very beginning. 
because they're supposed to be watchdogs. And now they're playing along. Yep. Yep. So it's, uh, it's very sad. It's, it's disturbing. It's frightening that this is happening. Um, and, you know, The Intercept is actually a, a left-wing publication. <laughs> they do some good work over there. Um, but, I mean, this is not... These aren't radical Republicans over there that are that are printing this stuff. This these are progressives at the Intercept, which yeah. probably more or less align with Biden uh, policies. But they've always, I mean, I mean, they've always been a little cranky over at the Intercept. I mean, doesn't they were cranky in the Obama administration? They were super cranky during Trump's administration. <laughs> they're still cranky. That's fine. I'm, I'm glad that they're cranky. Yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind cranky as long as it's honest cranky. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't even mind left-wing perspectives, progressive perspectives, as long as it's honest and consistent. And, you know, in the case of The Intercept with this, I mean, this was, I mean, this was, you know, like about six months ago or so, they were talking about the Disinformation Governance Board. Remember that, which we were calling the Ministry of Truth. Yeah. And they and they they finally supposedly ended that proposal because it got so much blowback, including from some people in the media. And it turns out that they were doing it anyway, just without the board. <laughs> the you know Homeland Security, the FBI were doing this anyway. They were partnering up with with um, uh, these platforms, not not because of national security concerns, but because of political concerns. They're trying to suppress dissent and debate, and that's un-American. I don't care how you cut it; it's un-American to do that. No, nope, it's politically convenient, but it's un-American. That too. All right. We got to get to your columns over at Red State because there's it's a, it's a lot of fun. You know, if you're not following Andrew on Twitter, you know, shame on you at this point. We've been, you know, we've been doing this for 14 years. You guys should be following Andrew on Twitter at A.H. Malcolm. You would get uh, first, you know, first alerts on these VIP columns that he's got over at redstate.com. Um, and Malcolm on the right, um, our D.C. leaders are too old. I said, they're too old. <laughs> yeah. Well, they are. I mean, you yeah. think about it. You know, there was a, I've forgotten exactly when it was. It was two years or four years ago when uh, Tim Ryan started a little uh, revolt in the House Democrat caucus uh, that um, Nancy Pelosi was too old, but she's so strong for fundraising for the members that, um, he got quashed, and that's why he left the House, basically, uh, to run for the Senate. But um, they're all old. I mean, the House leadership is all in their 80s. Um, Grassley and Feinstein are 89. Uh, the kid in the group, let's see, Schumer, he's what, 71? Yeah, he's uh, in his early 70s. I mean, he's not, yeah. I mean, that's that's sort of the sweet spot for senators, right, <laughs> traditionally. Well, yeah, but I'm I'm not sure. You know, I mean, they get so comfortable, uh, and they get reelected so easily. It's eighty and ninety percent of the Congress gets reelected, so they get the seniority, and they don't want to give that up. And they argue to the people back home that, uh, well, you know, I got a lot of clout because I've been there a long time. Well, yeah, but maybe you should leave. I worked for a governor, and we had term limits, and in the second term, he said. You know, I kind of like term limits. It, it's time for fresh, fresh eyes, fresh mind coming in after eight years of doing your thing. You had your shot. You got elected overwhelmingly, and then let somebody else try. And uh, 
uh, I, to me, that makes eminent sense. But Congress yeah. is never going to pass that, that, that to limit themselves. Nope. And it's going to take a constitutional amendment, which means 37 states and 37 states couldn't agree on a national pie. So they're not going to agree on constitutional amendment to have term limits. So the only term limits that are viable are voters. Voters yep. set the term limits and said, you know what? Um, uh, who's the guy that runs the, the uh, Judiciary Committee from New York? Oh, uh, oh, uh, Gerald Nadler. Yeah, Gerald Nadler. in the house. Gerald Nadler. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have you ever seen him uh, interact with people, I mean, he no. he no, he he's lost on stage. He's lost anywhere he is. Uh, he he seriously. Yeah. Uh, and he's gone, and he has to have people to show him. Oh, you get in this side of the car. I. Uh, he's not that old. I don't think Nadler's that old, is he? Well, he might be. Well, he's been around a long time. He has been and around a long that's time. That's what I'm yeah. saying. You know, I mean, I, I guess you could be 55 and be there too long. But if you're 55 and you've been there a long time, maybe you want a new challenge. That's, you know, you see Ben Sass leave. Of course, he was head of a college before. Um, and obviously, he's not going anywhere in a Republican administration. No, um, no. So he left to become, was it? president of florida university of florida right yeah the gators yeah. um by the way nadler is um uh 75 so yeah okay. yeah well so i mean he's a little older than i thought he was well, um, he's, he's younger he's younger than i am but I, i'm not running for office you know i mean right so uh but there has been funny stuff on twitter um you know, there were, there were nights for a while there, a year or two ago, where I was losing five, 6,000 followers a night. Now, theoretically, Ed, it's possible that 5,000 people all decided that they were sick of the Prince of Twitter on the same night at the Can't same time. Can't be true. Can't be true. Cannot be <laughs> true. Nobody gets, nobody gets sick. <laughs> Of the Prince of Twitter or the region, That's of, a, uh, the region should, of Red State. Yeah. We should That's also right. mention your other column that was uh, just up last night, I believe, right? Uh, midterm election chatter has all been yada, yada until yeah. right now. I just, yeah, and in a, in a nutshell, that was just uh, arguing that uh, we've been talking about the midterms. I wrote about the midterms in February. And that's it. I haven't written about them since because it's back and forth. We've been being played by our own curiosity and the media. You know, oh, look, Democrats are coming back. Oh, they're really coming back. Well, wait, no, they might not be coming back as much as you thought. And, and nothing has really changed. It's just the narrative that gets twisted so they can keep getting more and more hits. It's a waste of time until now. And then, so then I look at what the scenario looks like at this point. So speaking of the scenario, you're not going to be here next week. That's correct, Ed. You're going to be on vacation. I don't know I anybody who takes vacation at this time of the year. How dare you, sir? Yeah, yeah. Well, there may be a <laughs> there may be a connection. Um, yeah, right. Exactly. My uh, my son is in the my son is in the Air Force, and he got some leave so we can spend some time with him. Um, uh, it was funny. I, I got uh, married almost forty one years ago. And we were going to get married in early November, but my wife, who was a copy editor on the Globe and Mail in Toronto, said, 
oh no, there's always elections in November. So we scheduled the wedding for the end of November. It was the it was in Canada, so it didn't matter, but it was th American Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, <laughs> guess what happened in 2000? <laughs> I was yeah. there into December. I, yeah. We were going to have an anniversary that wasn't bothered by elections. And then there was an election that bothered the anniversary. But it all worked out. It all works out. But, uh, you know, look, um, you're going to be on vacation. I was just on vacation. So this is our, you know, as we're wrapping up, we're going to get to the jokes of the week in just a moment, because I know Andrew must have one or two of them that he can share with us That's that aren't, true. That yes, aren't midterm candidates. Um, but um, I guess I have to get your your projections now, your predictions now. Um, do Republicans win the House and the Senate, the House or the Senate? Neither? I think they they win the House fairly comfortably and they eke out a narrow majority in the Senate. That's what I think. Any any predictions on how many Senate seats? 51, 52, 75? Well, if I was feeling, I'm feeling cynical, so I'll say 51, but it could be 52, I think. There you go. See, I'm thinking 52 too. That's my marker, right? That To, to me, that's the over-under. I think 52 is is pretty much where things are looking at the moment based on the political environment but um we'll see i but actually if it's, think if it's a big tsunami then it could be could be i suppose more but the, the uh, republicans it was see there's 34 seats up and i think the republicans are defending 24 i think so uh, 35 and 24 i think it is 35 yeah. and 24 and and republicans had five retirements too so you know yeah. it's not not going to be easy but it's so bad right now for Democrats. This political environment is so bad that I suspect that we are going to be looking at a um, a fairly a fairly large tsunami coming uh, a week from tomorrow. Well, a week from today, as this is going up on the site. So, you know, yeah. and here's how desperate uh, Democrats are. Ed, they called in Obama. Obama presided over the worst Democrat House shellacking since the '30s. And they're calling him in for help. So that tells you how bad it is. They lost almost I, a thousand, almost a thousand. I mean, never mind the House and Senate. They lost almost a thousand state seats, several state houses, governorships. At one point, Republicans had 34 governorships. And, um, and I think 16 of them, they had both houses in those states. Uh, of course, that meant that they could set the uh, reapportionment for 2010 and 2020. So, uh, you know, thanks. Let's get Obama in here to help out. Yeah. Beats Biden, though. That's what I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now they're, they're going. Um, who is it? They're going. Uh, they, aren't they all going to Pennsylvania this weekend, I think? I think they do. Yeah. I, all of them are going into Pennsylvania and it's not going to help. But yeah. Um, so what's the jokes of the week? We got to get the jokes of the week. Well, I got a few of them. Of course, they're all old. But um, uh, Conan said uh, President Obama canceled the White House Halloween party. He canceled after hearing that Joe Biden was coming as slutty Joe Biden. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Um, the. Uh, Let's see, I thought I had another Halloween one here. 
uh, well, um, uh, Jay Leno said, I had a trick-or-treater uh, last night, just stood on my porch for an hour, didn't knock, just stood there. I said, who are you supposed to be? And he said, an undecided voter. <laughs> 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 kind of like that one. Um, and uh, let's see, uh, Seth Meyer said, according to a new survey, 19% of Americans said they rely on their body's internal clock to wake them at a certain time. There's a term for those people, late. <laughs> <laughs> Perpetually late. Perpetually, forever late. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, all right, sir. I am going to miss you next week. But that means well, that when you come back, we're going to be able to dissect the midterms. And, and Oh, uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, right. Next Tuesday, it's, uh, everybody will still be sucking their thumbs. <laughs> well, good luck yeah. on election night. Uh, as an old timer told me when I was an, a young new reporter, he said, remember, son, you can always call elections. You can never uncall them. That's true. That's true. Uh, you can't unring a bell. Same, same principle. That's right. That's true. So I just a quick story. I was in Oklahoma and there was a speaker there whose name escapes me at the moment. He'd been there forever. A speaker for the house. Anyway, and there was a race and there was some question about how well he would do. And I remembered that caution. So I didn't call it quite. So and I had turns out I had bronchitis. I was feeling awful sitting at a borrowed desk in a newsroom. So I finally called up and I said, uh, uh, OK, so I'm ready to call the uh, the race, the, the speaker race in Oklahoma. And they said, oh, we did that several hours ago. <laughs> really? Did you ever think? to tell the guy that you sent <laughs> to cover it. This, this is how professional communicators communicate. They don't. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I, I, I won't get into that. But listen, I work for a communications company and I work with a lot of absolutely awesome people. Um, and we all have our communication issues as well here too. So, you know, yeah, it's yeah. people being people. But, but uh, not know, on Tuesdays, Ed. Not, not on, Tuesday. on Tuesday. Not on Tuesdays. Not with the Prince of Twitter. Not with the Regent of RedState.com. Andrew Malcolm at AH Malcolm on the Twitter says, uh, in two weeks. We'll get back in two weeks then. Okay. Have a good time. Bye, everybody. Thanks. Well, you have a good time. Stay tuned for one last message from the Ed Morrissey Show coming up next. A new era at Hot Air has begun, and with the midterm elections just around the corner, our team is ready to fight for the conservative issues and bring you election analysis with new focus and purpose. This November, we face the choice of economic ruin with Joe Biden and his progressive Democrats, or a fresh start on the basis of American strength. But we need your help now more than ever to continue our conservative reporting and mission. By becoming a Hot Air VIP or VIP Gold member, you become an integral part of our team. Not only will you get exclusive access to reporting and commentary you can't get anywhere else, 
You will help us in our war against big tech and social media censorship. We cover the issues that truly matter, and with your help, the left can never silence us. You will also get access to my twice-weekly discussions with Adam Baldwin on The Amiable Skeptics, where we delve deeply into the philosophies and ideologies below the surface of today's current events. And you will support the vital work of Dwayne Patterson, who knows practically everyone in politics, Tampa's Tom Jackson, who gives hot air readers the inside scoop on Florida politics and more, and Jazz Shaw and our newest team member, David Strong, who offer even more in-depth analysis on the latest political developments. And for our VIP Gold members, Bearing Arms, Cam Edwards, and I offer direct engagement with members through our live chats, the most fun hour we have in the week. We are humbled by the support our readers have already shown us, and we hope to have all of you join us to keep this mission on track. Over the last couple of months, I've been honored to lead Hot Air as our new managing editor and look forward to all that is to come. On behalf of our team, I thank all of you for your support. Help us expose and put a stop to Joe Biden and the Democrats' radical agenda. Join Hot Air VIP today and use the promo code SAVEAMERICA to receive a major discount on your VIP or VIP Gold membership. Thank you very much.